This is the Changemaker Forum Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the Changemaker Forum Podcast. My name is Jeremy Brown, founder of Startups Give Back and your host for today's episode. My guest today is the founder of Humano Lab, Elfego Solaris. Alfago and his team are creating a retail marketplace with an amazing purpose behind it. You don't want to miss this episode. Alfago and I chat about his nonprofit background, the origin story for Humano Lab, and even Mars. And it's a remarkable story. You don't want to miss that. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy this amazing episode featuring Alfago Solaris. <laughs> Alfago, welcome to the show. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you for joining me. So before we get into Humano Lab, which I'm really excited to learn more about, what I would like to do is go back in time and learn more about you as an individual up until you started the organization. So if you can give me a quick little summary of you know where you grew up and a little background on you, that'd be great. Sure. So I grew up in Long Beach, California, and um, I was there until I was 13 years old. And then I moved to Guatemala City, um, and I went to school there in college as well. And while I was in college, I started a nonprofit with a couple of friends of mine. We ran the nonprofit for about four years and then delegated the nonprofit to someone else, and we all went parted our ways. Um, I moved back to California three years ago. Um, I worked as a chef. I worked at a nonprofit. Um, and now here I am launching um, a for-profit this time around. And yeah, so that's a brief summary, I'd say, in a nutshell. And what was the nonprofit in Guatemala? So this was called Estudiantes por la Libertad, which is Students for Liberty, uh, basically a student-ran organization uh, that are, we basically existed to promote the ideas of liberty and form the new leaders, student leaders, uh, in order to promote liberty, basically. And what was the, the spark that got that going? Was it just certain experiences that you saw in the community? Well, I, I think specifically with, with Maria and I, who was uh, the, the co-founder with me, um, we both saw the possibility of living in a more free society, meaning one in which we are able to develop ourselves fully, uh, whether that be financially or socially slash civil. And so we saw opportunities, right? We saw that wealth and prosperity can be created um, and that, you know, the more free that we are able to come together and associate and collaborate, usually the better and more prosperous societies are. And so um, that's kind of the reason that we started and uh, it's still running today. And uh, yeah, it's a much bigger organization now. That's amazing. And that gets me onto this, uh, this uh, next question. Uh, well, not really a question, but I was uh, surfing YouTube looking for and doing my research and I came across a video of you um, and the title was, and if I can pull it up here, where did I write it down at? Uh, when we land on Mars. And I thought that was such an interesting concept because um, when you think about all the things that are happening in our world, you know, the racism, ageism, et cetera, et cetera. When you think about going to Mars, it's a totally new frontier, right? There is, as you mentioned in the video, there's no borders, there's, you know, there's no racism, there's nothing. And what if we do land on Mars? What, you know, if you put a collection of people on Mars, there are no borders. Frankly, there is no racism because you have to rely. Mm -hmm. Oh, hello. 
Can you hear more about that concept a little bit? Yeah, sure. So that's so funny. I didn't know that video was still up, but I'm glad <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so th specifically, that was something that I wrote, and I, it was just me really thinking about what are the possibilities of us landing on Mars and what we attribute to landing on Mars, right? And so m much of what is, I think, um, conceptualized about when we land on Mars, which we know will happen eventually, um, is, is basically a lot of what you're talking about, which is fixing a lot of problems that we currently have on this planet. But the way that I look at it is, you know, we've already landed on a Mars, right? We've already, already landed on another planet. We're already here. And so the way that I was looking at it more was, yes, there is a possibility that on Mars we can associate in a different way um, and we can organize differently. Of course, uh, you know, as a different planet that it is, it will require a different setup. And so my, my reasoning with that was more about, you know, we're already on planet Earth. Right. And so if we need to end racism, you know, obviously that's what I propose. And if we need to open up borders and if we need to live in a more free society and just live in a much more humane way, well, then let's do it now, you know, on the planet that we're already in. Right. And so that that was kind of my focus with with that, which I wrote. And so, um, you know, it was more of a call to action, an invitation to take advantage of what, where we are here and now. And so how has that concept influenced what you do right now? Yeah, so what I do right now, basically, Humano started off once again as um, me seeing the potential for a much more free and clear world. And when I say clear, I mean uh, weird world in the sense of, uh, of different, in the sense that every individual has something different to offer. And so... Um, it started off as that, and I realized that the, the future that I envision is possible. You know, it is real, and it is something that is obtainable. And so uh, Humano started with that, with that in, in, in mind. And so um, ever since we launched, everything that we do is literally an excuse to fulfill that purpose. And so, you know, it's keeping sight of our true north and understanding that, you know, a much more prosperous world is possible. And there's a lot of steps to get there, right? And we're barely, you know, scratching the surface. And so that's, that's, uh, that's kind of how it connects, basically. And you launched it in 2017? We actually launched this. So we started working on this idea in 2017, but we launched about four months ago. Actually, wow, we launched in May. So um a little more than four months ago, almost. Um, and so we officially launched, yeah, in May, and we've been running ever since. Well, congratulations. That's always the, the first hurdle to get over is, is actually launching the business. <laughs> oh, yeah, indeed. It's totally a roller coaster. <laughs> and so the slogan that I, I find really, really interesting is clothing for humans. And I find this interesting because, you know, it, there is no gender-specific uh, you know, categories or anything like that. It's just literally clothing for humans. And so what I like to learn more about is what exactly is Humano Lab and, and why does it exist? Sure. So Humano Lab basically is a, if you want to see it uh, as in a business, it's basically a retail marketplace for clothing and cosmetics with no gender labels, right? And so that's kind of uh, 
um, in a nutshell, what it is uh, business-wise. Um, what the true north is behind it really is we really are in the game to shift paradigms, so specifically when it comes uh, to gender, um, sexuality, and race. And basically, our, our idea is to start conversations with people and to kind of give people also a space to express themselves as they wish without having to feel that they're encapsulated between you know, a cert certain specific gender roles, et cetera. And so um, we, as I said, you know, we're using clothing as an excuse to fulfill that purpose. Um, you know, we, we, we envision a world in which, you know, you can express yourself as you wish in whatever moment. So that means if you want to identify, you know, as a specific person or gender in a specific moment in time, you can, but knowing that you're also allowed to change that and you're, the holy human experience basically binds you to be able to shift yourself and create yourself as you go. And as a retail marketplace, are other individuals who believe in what you believe in, are they able to essentially uh, sell their products to your marketplace or is it, is Humana Lab, the products solely f created from your team? Oh, no. So you can totally sell on our marketplace as long as obviously we share the same ideals and can collaborate. We currently have another brand called Fluid Beauty uh, that we're selling currently. They're based out of New York. They're also a startup who just launched this year and they um, sell cosmetics for all. And so um, they basically have the same vision as we do. You know, it was a pretty, pretty easy integration and, uh, you know, we found each other on Instagram, gave, you know, gave ourselves a call and was like, hey, we're doing this and you're doing that. Why don't we work together? <laughs> and so it kind of all just worked out. But, yes, we're completely open to collaborate with others in the same uh, same kind of spectrum and sandbox that we're in. And what's the process uh, to get products on your platform? Send me an email. You can shoot me an email at elfago at humanolab.com and we can get talking. It's uh, as easy as that. <laughs> what was that moment in time, that, that aha moment, if you will, where you knew in your heart that Humano Lab needed to be created? Mm. Yeah. personal journey, so to say, with uh, kind of coming to terms with my own gender expression. And when I, what I mean by that is, you know, I grew up being policed that a man should wear and dress and be a specific way and you know i grew up in a latin american household and so there's there's very fixed and conservative views about what a man can and cannot do and i always felt um that i was a bit defiant on that and i didn't feel quite completely uh comfortable with this kind of uh uh, box i was trying to be trying to to be pushed in and so um I quite frankly, until last year, did I uh, start questioning through finding some some influencers on Instagram, actually, uh, Loke Vaid Menon and uh, Travis Alabanza, who both are genderqueer individuals. Um, and until that moment, did I not realize, oh, wait, I can actually be fluid in my gender expression. I can wear nail polish. I can you know, be a little more emotional. I can allow myself to share my emotions with others and be vulnerable. And so um, for specifically the moment that it happened, I was at a retail store 
And I realized how boring I found most of men's clothing. I remember going to the women's section and seeing all the colors and patterns and textures. And I was like, you know, this is what I'd like to wear, you know, something with more color, more texture. And so I remember trying things on and nothing fit uh, appropriately. And so I was like, okay, there definitely needs to be some way that I can create clothing that anyone can use and anyone can use, but also find it attractive, you know, with different colors and textures. And so that's the moment I was looking myself in the mirror and I said, no, there has to be a change, you know, and it just makes sense that you can make clothing for humans rather than for just one specific audience. And so that's, I think that's the moment really. That's so amazing. And so how has that experience, so interacting with the, the Instagram influencers, et cetera, how has that, influ- or that experience uh, changed the way that, you've, that you see the world and that you interact in it? Right. So I think I see the world as a big playground, right? I think everyone should be seeing the world as, as almost an imperative, right? You know, we're in many ways, we're, we're, this experience is very ephemeral. You know, you, you die... Uh, without knowing exactly, I mean, your, your death is, is, is the only thing certain. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at it that way, I think now I see everything as a big playground of how you can collaborate with others and express yourself. And so now, you know, I, I, I no longer um, judge myself or others based on their appearance. Um, I think in many ways, like before, I would have never thought about, you know, the possibility of me you know, wearing makeup or wearing nail polish or allowing myself to date someone who did. And so, you know, it's it now it's more of, no, I'm going to take this person uh, beyond the labels and the bias that I have in my mind, beyond the filters that I was programmed with. I'm going to allow myself to, to give this person the benefit of the doubt and allow them to express themselves as they wish with me. And so it's literally a paradigm shift, you know, it's shifting your biases and your filters that you used to view the world and now seeing them with new eyes, a, a bit unfiltered um, and allowing yourself to look at human beings rather than global. So with your experience with Humana Lab, you know, starting it a few months ago, as well as your work with the nonprofit in Guatemala and just really all your experience put together, uh, what are some lessons that you've learned along the way? Ooh, um, I think one of the things that I learned this past year was choose your, choose your co-founder as well, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Founders, co-founders well. So um, I think that's one of the biggest, biggest learnings for me. Um, I started off with a friend of mine originally and, you know, from one day to another, things just didn't work out anymore. And, you know, uh, this person decided to leave and it was just out of a, out of the blue for me. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think that there was much uh, communication around that specifically. And so um, that's one of the biggest lessons learned, like how can you foresee and plan for something like that? You know, it was basically a roller coaster after that. And so um, that's one of the biggest lessons. The other lessons, the other lesson I think I've learned along the way is really more than more than being in your brain, more than being cerebral, more than having hypotheses and theories, um, is putting them in action and actually testing them out in the market, testing them out with who at the end of the day you want to impact, right? And so you can have an amazing hypothesis, an amazing theory, 
But if it doesn't touch people's hearts, if it isn't really changing uh, the way that people view the world and, and, and comforting them in many ways, so to say, or adding value to them, you have nothing at all, right? And so I think that's, uh, that's a bigger one for me, which is really just being in tune with your market and with the people who, who you're, you're working with. Um, and I guess the last lesson uh, is conscious capitalism. I've worked with conscious capitalism. The concept, I think, is really coming to terms with everyone who you come in touch with, whether that be vendors, your employees, whether that be an outsourced company or a, um, a freelancer, et cetera, just making sure that along the way you're very intentional about how you collaborate with others, about the products you're creating, you know, just every step in the process, you know, making sure that all your stakeholders um, in many ways are well taken care of. And so that's probably uh, uh, one of the most important ones for me as well um, is, is around conscious capitalism or conscious cal- collaboration, right? So you mentioned uh, the friend of yours who was a co-founder who ended up leaving. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but when you look back, were, could you recognize some of the things that were happening in that relationship where, you know, you're like, okay, that's where we, I probably should have stepped in or we should have did something different? Yeah, so I, I started sensing a lack of communication and of, of just basically commitment in the sense of um, turning things in and deadlines and being available for our weekly uh, tactical meetings. And so I kind of started noticing a distance uh from 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 this co-founder and um you know i i checked in a couple of times but i kind of thought that this was just the way that this other person worked in their natural process and so i didn't want to disturb what i thought to be their natural process and so um you know i checked in yeah a couple of times and then i remember sending an email and saying hey just wanted to check in and you know i've been noticing this and this is the story i've been telling myself and this is kind of what I've been perceiving. And, um, you know, uh, at that moment, they they weren't open about it. And, uh, you know, not much later, you know, I got an email saying, hey, you know, unfortunately, I'm, I'm parting ways. And so, um, yeah, I think most importantly was to listen to my own intuition and gut feeling that I kind of decided to ignore because I wanted to rather than listen to my intuition more than that, listen to what she, what she was telling me. And so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of out of the blue because I felt something, but I decided to ignore it and then it just happened. And so, yeah. (laughs) And so how has that changed how you choose co-founders today? Ah, so I realized that, um, the biggest, kind of uh, test through fire is someone you've already worked with, right? And so for me, I was much more skeptical now about um, who I chose to be working with me and leading, uh, leading basically the way. And so I, I, I guess to give you a little more perspective, I started uh, Students for Liberty with, uh, with another friend of mine, Maria, and, you know, I realized we've already worked together. We already know each other's working styles. We've already failed together. And I already knew I wanted her on my team. I just didn't know exactly how or what she would be doing. 
Um, and the opportunity came and, you know, someone who I already knew and, uh, and most importantly failed with. And so I asked her to j- j- hop on originally as a contractor and then things have just been flowing and uh, she is now co-founder with me. And one thing, one idea that I want to go back to that you mentioned uh, was being in tune with your market. And I'm, I'm a big believer in testing ideas before, you know, putting a lot of resources into them. Because I mean, the reason why is because in the past I've you know I've done exactly that. I've put a lot of resources into things that just didn't work out, right? And if I would have mm-hmm. actually tested it, then I would have had a better hypothesis of whether or not to actually move forward with it or not. So I'm mm-hmm. curious to know if you went through that type of process, so the testing process with Humano Lab, and if you did, what are some of the ways that you tested the product? Totally. So I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And so usually um, I'm the same way as you is that I put in a lot of resources and time to formulate a hypothesis. But I, I've been pushing myself to, to really um, be consistent with, with a quote that I really like, which is leap in the net will appear. Mm. And so when I considered leap in the net will appear and, and, and knowing that I should just be good enough and not perfect and that I will learn along the way, and that I don't have all the answers and I can't have something perfect. Um, I actually, um, one of our designs actually that we launched at the beginning was not what I expected at all. You know, I was ready to, to completely take it out. And, you know, we had already ran um, a production run on it. And so there was a lot of money invested, et cetera. And um, I, I was, I was a bit upset by it, but I was like, you know what? I actually, am completely using my own experience and my own lenses to make this decision. And I honestly do not know if my market will or will not appreciate it. And the best thing that I can do is just throw it out there and see what happens. And it's actually been one of the most um, sold designs. So um, that was a pretty interesting response. But tactics that I used, you know, I uploaded pictures on social media. I tried to get people's response on what they thought about the design. Um, I, uh, you know, I had a little um, kind of like, um, or, or better said, I asked friends, etc. And so um, I was going to say focus groups, but honestly, they were just friends. And so, um, yeah, so I guess those were two tactics that I used. But most importantly, was just throw it out there and see how people responded. Because the worst thing that could happen was it didn't sell. I'll take it off the website. You know, we're so early on the process that say, even if it was something that people didn't value, we weren't, you know, that famous. We didn't have that many followers. We weren't, you know, um, uh, there weren't any sales yet. And so I was like, you know, the transactional cost is very low. And so, yeah, we put it out there and it's been, it's been pretty good. It's interesting that, you know, the, the things that you think, won't work for some reason tend to be the things that do work. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So since launching Humano lab, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I think what I am most proud of is of the community that we have been forming. Um, I think I just was not expecting, you know, that's another thing that it was just like, you know, launch and that will appear in the sense of, You know, we launched and without expecting it, we've had a huge community start forming around Humano um, of people who are willing to help out, people who have come up to me and have, you know, hey, can I help you with your email marketing? Hey, can I help you with your website? You know, or, you know, let me model for you. And and so it's it's 
it's been just great to see the people that have shown up when I least expected it to want to help out. And so building a community is super important and your community is everything really. Um, and so that's probably what I'm most proud of is the community that we have formed, I'd say. And so what advice would you give somebody who, you know, who, who's an entrepreneurial and wants to start an organization, uh, whether it's a nonprofit or a for-profit, but for the betterment of the world, what type of advice would you give them? Uh, one, leap in the net will appear. Two, literally just start. And three, go lean. I mean, we started Humano with very little money. Um, and so also just outsource a lot of things that you, if you don't have time for it, right? And so, you know, like our logo, we, we outsourced through freelancer.com. Um, you know, a lot of things we got contractors to do as a one-off instance, you know, you don't need a big structure. You don't need a whole team, you know, just start off with what you have, like literally um, become aware of your resources and your current and, and your current state of being and allocate that appropriately. I'm sure you can do much, much more than what you can think of with just the resources you have today now. Um, so th I think those are, those are, you know, pretty easy, uh, understandable uh, things that I'd say, just because um, anyone can start really anywhere you are with the resources you have um, and start leveraging that after, you know, start bootstrapping with that after. And so, yeah. You bring up a great point, and when it comes to starting your own for-profit, for example, a lot of people believe that you need a whole lot of money to actually get started, and you bring up a, a great point. You don't even need that much. You know, you, I mean, obviously, you have to be scrappy. You have to be uh, judicious with your, your money, but quite frankly, you don't need a whole lot to actually get started, and you mentioned uh, outsourcing the logo design. I, you know, I did that for one of my uh, companies that I started, too, and that was like $300, and the logo is amazing. And so for a little bit of money, it actually can go a long way. So kudos to you. I mean, there's, there's not many people who understand that bootstrapping, in my opinion, is the better way to go instead of going to you know, raise a round of venture capital. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm right on the same boat with you. We've been bootstrapping. And I, I will say this. I have been very skeptical about putting golden handcuffs on. Right. By that, I mean uh, outside investors, right? And so literally golden handcuffs, I'm very, very skeptical of it. I will say this, though. Um, in order to grow Humano to what I want it to be and to what we see as a possible impact, that might have to be something to reconsider. Um, but I will say uh, bootstrapping is very effective. Bootstrapping has kept us alive. And it is possible. It's just um, it's just depending on how ambitious you are and how, how how big your plans are, right? Because you know my bank account can only do so much. Right. I live in San Francisco. I have to pay bills, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you do raise a round, you know, if you do believe that that's the way to go, I mean, I, it's a it could be a good thing as long as you have the right investors, right? People who right. believe exactly in your vision and what you're trying to build, who can help you along the way as well. Um, and you mentioned the golden handcuffs, you know, and that's really important to understand too, is, you know, once you do go out and get that, that venture capital, you have a boss, basically, right. <laughs> you have someone to answer to. 
Yeah, no, I think that's where, where the conscious collaboration part comes in as well. Like for us, you know, what's, what's most important is our, is our north, right, our purpose. That's over, over, over profits. So purpose over profits for us. And so um, if um, a, a VC is not aligned with this, um, if we go out there and we raise our first round and we realize that it's not possible to continue with our purpose in order to get that, you know, that's, that's just a completely, um, th that's a complete deal breaker for us. And so we, w we would not proceed. Right. And, 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 and that's, you know, that's, that's really where the hard questions come in. Right. Do you value your purpose over profits? Not that, you know, you're going to exist without profits because you have to keep moving, but over everything, why do you exist? You know, why, why are you in the world? You know, a business is not just to create money. You know, a business uh, business can can impact humanity. You know, it can elevate humanity, and so um, that's that's literally where you where you have to ask yourself the hard questions. Have you looked into equity crowdfunding platforms like Seed Invest or Republic.co or uh, WeFunder? Um, I've I've heard about the concept a little bit. I actually uh, was at an impact investing forum two years ago with Katia, actually. And um, I, I heard a little bit about the concept, but I haven't really gotten too much into it. The reason I bring it up is because you mentioned that uh, you're, you know, you're building a community for Humano. And what equity crowdfunding platforms allow people to do is you don't have to be an accredited investor to actually invest in companies through equity crowdfunding platforms. So essentially, the average Joe or Jane out there can invest in Humano through an equity crowdfunding campaign on Seed Invest or WeFunder. So just another avenue to, to actually raise money instead of going to the you know traditional VC route. Ah, perfect. I actually wrote this down, so I'll have to research this a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I have seen some uh, clothing brands on Seed Invest. I think there might be some on WeFunder too. So yeah, definitely look into that because you know, like I said, there might be an opportunity there for you. Interesting, interesting. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. So where does Humana go from here? Yeah, so Humano, I think, has three things to accomplish from here on forward. I think the first one is obviously creating a much more free and queer world. And the second thing is to create prosperity in the Latin American region, specifically in Guatemala. And so with that is creating jobs um, for people and obviously above fair wages, et cetera, and, and obviously conscious, um, a conscious collaboration with them. And then the third thing as well is, I think, a much more personal pursuit as well of um, just going out there and seeing if our concept is really something that, you know, basically validation in many ways um, of uh, continuing to put stuff out there and see uh, what our next big step is. So it's kind of more of an ambiguous, unknown, what now kind of kind of question. But, yeah, top two most important is creating prosperity and jobs. And the first one, which is creating a more free uh, and queer world for all of us. And is there anything in the pipeline, uh, whether it might be products or maybe new partners that's uh, coming up that you are okay with talking about publicly? Sure. Yeah. So we are actually working on about 10 different designs right now um, that are coming out within this last quarter and the first couple of quarters of next year, first and second quarter. And we're actually splitting in three different labels now. And so we're going to be splitting in between Future Gender, which is more of a streetwear, like an elevated streetwear brand, 
the Kimono brand, which is going to uh, kind of remain the same and be a little more um, kind of simple, basic, traditional um, uh, kind of uh, kind of brand. And then the third one, which is TBD, which is a more high-end um, design, uh, accessible high-end design um, brand as well. And so Q4 of next year is when we're looking to launch TBD. Q2 is when we're looking to launch Future Gender and then um, continue with Humano. So yeah, that's completely completely out on the pipeline and there for us to continue pushing forward. And last question for you, where can people learn more about Humano as well as yourself? Sure. So you can go on humanolab.com. Uh, you can shoot me an email at alfago at humanolab.com. It's on Instagram as uh, at humano.lab. And so, um, you know, just feel free to shoot me an email if you're interested in anything. I'm, I respond usually within 24 hours and pretty accessible. And so, you know, I'm always, always uh, happy to, to guide you to be a part of our community or to collaborate with us. Anything that you can think of, I'm here. Amazing. Elfego, thank you so much for joining me. Really excited to see what you do with Humano. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to, to have myself on, on your podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Changemaker Forum podcast. I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you did, it would be amazing if you shared it on your favorite social network, whether that's LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or something else. So with that being said, stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.